Hey, Jen Banks here. This is the podcast A is for Adversity, and I'm going to talk about being more intentional about our thoughts and our goals so we can make our lives happen instead of letting life happen to us. This is episode number 14, Motivation. The sponsor for this episode is Sherry Fernandes. I mentioned in last week's episode and also on my Instagram post recently that my sponsors will be offering 15 to 25% off their products for the next couple of weeks. Sherry said to keep her on hold for a little while because she's working on a lot of new products. She's working on her own workbook for her clients as well as a book of quotes. Imagine that. Stay tuned for next week to see who the sponsor is and what deal they'll have. Okay, motivation. Some of my favorite quotes are by Zig Ziglar. The quote I have in particular this week is, People often say that motivation doesn't last. Well, neither does bathing. That's why we recommend it daily. Motivation is internal. If we are waiting on an external source to motivate us, it'll never happen. We'll sit around waiting forever. Motivation has to come from within. Fortunately, words can motivate us. That's definitely what quotes have done for me. And it is incredible that words can motivate us to act if we let them. This goes back to the model and how our thoughts lead to our feelings and our feelings fuel our actions. While there are many words out there to sift through, the right ones said or read at the right time can cause a chain reaction for good in our life and the lives of those around us. Our brains like to keep doing what they're doing. It's sort of a snowball effect. And unfortunately, it's a lot easier to gain momentum with negative feelings. I'm sure you've said to yourself, oh, this is a bad day, and the day just keeps getting worse and worse. That's because of momentum. On the other hand, if we are having a good day, it's easy for the brain to keep looking for that. I also like to compare life to a train. It kind of seems slow at first, and then it picks up speed. That's important to remember in life. It takes 21 days to form a habit and only one to break it. I was in the best shape of my life in fifth grade. My teacher, Mrs. Tippetts, told our fifth grade class that at the end of the year, we would be going on a 13-mile hike. And in order to do that, we'd be running a mile every other day for the duration of the school year. It was not easy at first, and most days I didn't want to do it. But it helped to be around classmates and to have that consistency to keep going every week. Four laps on our field was a mile, or to be exact, four and a fourth. Every lap, you'd get a dot on your hand by the person whose turn it was to be the counter. And when you had four dots, you would turn around and run opposite of the counter back to the end of the field to complete your quarter of a lap. I remember hitting a personal record of six minutes and 25 seconds. Astounding compared to how long it takes me to run a mile now. But I was a lot lighter of a person then. We ultimately made it to our goal at the end of the year to go on a 13-mile hike, and we hiked from Utah Lake to Bridalville Falls. It was very memorable and a great accomplishment in my book. The more you do something, the easier it gets. Often it's just the starting that's hard. I know when I've been sitting on the couch for a while, it's hard to get up and do something, but just starting ends up being the hardest. Once I've gotten past that hurdle, the rest comes more naturally. When it's the middle of the night and my baby's hungry, just getting out of bed is so hard. It's all mental though, because once I get up, I'm just fine and I'm happy to feed him. It's like ripping off a band-aid. You just kind of got to get it over with. A waterfall starts with one drop of water. My two-year-old, who will be three in May, is named Rowan. 
I can't remember if I've mentioned this before, but something that got us through the winter months was we went on a walk every day around the neighborhood. Sometimes my newborn would come with us. I'd either wear him in the Moby wrap or take him in a stroller bundled up, but I just knew I had to get my body moving and to get him out of the house from being cooped up. A little over a month ago, we switched to bike riding. He received a tricycle for his birthday last year and hadn't quite gotten the hang of it until recently. It's been neat to watch him navigate the process of riding a bike. He's learning momentum in getting started from being stuck or just getting started from a standstill. He's learned how to steer, and I've noticed that wherever he looks, his bike goes. If he's looking backwards and watching the tricycle wheel roll, he often goes onto the grass. Where you look, you go. I found that especially relevant to our lives. At first, Roan was scared of his bike, especially when going down hills. But he's become a lot more courageous and confident as he's gotten better. He didn't want to ride his bike at first, and now he doesn't want to stop. I found this to be true with exercise. Again, that starting point, it's just so hard to start. But once I get going, I find that I enjoy it a lot more. It's also a great time for me to listen to music or podcasts or other things that I need to catch up on. I don't want to start, but then I don't want to stop. Last week, I took Rowan to the pool, and it was quite the experience. He used to be such a water baby. We'd live at the splash pad. He loves baths. I've taken him to the pool before, but it had been a really long time. We walk into the community pool, and immediately we hear the noise. People are excited to be there, and they should be but I can tell that it's sensory overload for Rowan. In the shallow end of the pool, there's some water coming down, and Rowan calls them waterfalls, and he immediately shies away from that side of the pool. We go to the deep end, and I try to coax him into my arms, but he's having none of it. He immediately says he wants to go home. My heart breaks for him because I know it be a fun experience. He just can't see it yet. We wander over to a bench, and he sits in my lap. We cuddle for a while in our towels, and eventually I take him to the first step of the shallow end and set him on my lap. He's nervous, but he grows accustomed to it after some time. Shortly after, I explain to him that my legs are getting cold, so I move down a stair. He's still in my arms, but after a few minutes, he ventures to splashing a little bit with his hands. I show him how fun it is to kick with my legs, and he does the same. I cleverly take him off my lap and say that I'm going to go under the waterfall. He enjoys watching mommy do that and doesn't even realize that he's alone on the step. It is from that point on that he realizes he likes the pool. We stay until it closes and he doesn't want to get out. Doesn't want to start, doesn't want to stop. I encourage you to start. Whatever it is you're waiting for, in the famous words of Nike, just do it. Most often, people are seeking motivation when it comes to weight loss. It's been a while since we talked about the model, and I wanted to review it with you. It is the self-coaching model and can be applied to any problem. The acronym is CTFAR. The C stands for circumstance, and circumstances are always neutral. T stands for thoughts, which is the thoughts you're having about the circumstance. F is for feelings, the emotions that you're experiencing. A is for action, and your actions are fueled by your feelings. And R is for results, or how you're showing up in your life. I want to emphasize that only you 
show up in your result line. You don't control anyone else's results, just like you don't control their thoughts, feelings, or actions. It's tempting to just do thought work in our head, and most oftentimes that'll work. But I also encourage you to do it on paper, to write out your models. You may discover thoughts that you didn't realize you were having. People often ask, what should I do to lose weight? What types of exercises should I do? What type of food should I eat? Those are all actions. But if we apply this to the model, we see that it begins back with our thoughts. What thoughts are you having about you? Are you comfortable with your body the way it is? The way to happiness isn't doing something. Happiness is the way. If you accept your body as it is, it'll be much easier to get the results that you want. Also, when you get there, it won't be life-shattering because you'll already be feeling the way you want to about you instead of trying to arrive at that destination. Will Rogers said, even if you're on the right track, you'll get run over if you just sit there. Weight loss isn't my top priority right now. While I'd love to be healthier and I do strive for that, it's not my main focus. I did recently have a baby and I know that's no excuse, but I know that I at least have nine months to get the weight off because it took nine months to get it on. My focus has shifted lately. While I'm still enamored with life coaching and I still study it, I've moved more to storytelling. This all started when I heard Matthew Dix as a guest speaker on Jody Moore's podcast. Just as a reminder, her podcast is entitled Better Than Happy, and I highly recommend it. Matthew Dix appeared as a guest on episode number 224, and that was released in November 2019. The episode is entitled, Tell a Better Story with Matthew Dix. In that episode, she mentions that Matthew Dix has just written a story entitled Storyworthy. Jody Moore admitted that she'd already read it twice, so I knew that I wanted to read it. I told Jared that I bought the book, and he said, you didn't even check it out at the library first? There are just some things that you know are going to be big, and that's exactly how Storyworthy was in my life. Matthew talks about how storytelling is kind of a lost art, and he is working to bring it back. In his book, he talks about finding your story, crafting your story, and telling your story. There's going to be a lot more on this to come. I selected five points from his book that will help you tell a better story, even if this is the only time that you hear about this. First and foremost is to start doing homework for life. Matthew Dix is a teacher by profession, so naturally he calls it homework. But if that sounds daunting to you or has a negative connotation, feel free to call it whatever you want. But he says to write down every day the most story-worthy moment. Whether that's something new you learned about yourself, a transformation of some sort, a change in perspective. There's a lot more on this in his TED Talk, Homework for Life. Number two is five-second stories. Matthew says that most stories can be told in five seconds. Of course, that's just the meat of the story. You'll want to add details and other descriptions, but if you have that five-second moment, you know you have a good story. Number three is find the beginning. You know the end of your story because it's that five-second moment where you learned something or saw the world in a different way. That's the ending of your story. The opposite of that ending is is oftentimes your beginning. So if you learned that there are still good people in the world, the opposite would be a time where you experienced someone who wasn't being good in the world. The beginning is a lot harder to find. Number four is tell your story in scenes. 
So storytellers don't memorize their stories, but you can memorize the locations of where it happened, and that's how you will craft your story. And number five is memorize the first and last few lines of your story. Start strong and end strong. My two cents that I'll add is remember, you are the narrator of your life. Don't let anyone else hold the pen. Thank you for your patience as I learned to tell better stories. I'm sure you've heard some stories over the course of this podcast. I'm naturally drawn to stories and I enjoy hearing them. I think that's why it resonated with me so much when I heard Matthew Dix talk about storytelling. I've come to terms with the fact that when you start something new, you just have to suck first. And if you are willing to suck, you'll go far in life. That's how you gain a new skill. We forget this as adults because as children, we're always starting something new because the world is a new place for us. Children don't have that awareness that they're bad at something, or if they do, they're willing to overcome it. Let's try to be more like that. Richard L. Evans said, Don't let life discourage you. Everyone who got where they are had to begin where they were. We just often don't see that part. Like I said before, there will be more to come on storytelling. If you liked it, awesome, stay tuned. If you didn't, there will be a new episode next week. Until then, here is your weekly wisdom. It is by Dr. Seuss. He recently had a birthday in early March. This particular quote says, And will you succeed? Yes, you will indeed. 98 and 3 fourths percent guaranteed. And that's from Oh, the Places You'll Go.